Sure, that good to seeing everybody this morning, and uh, I really felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Welcome, Fred and Nikki. Like good to have you guys. Nice to see you again. People that we know from many years back, and it's just good to see you again. And uh, what? Early Josh Jenners, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, I just, sure, as I was preparing my heart, even this weekend, the, the last while, but Lord, just help us as a church and help me just to unclutter things for this year. I wanna, I've got faith for this year. I've got an anticipation that God's going to work through us and do things through us, and amazingly, but it's going to be Him. And so I've got to unclutter this year of everything that's Benny. I mean, let's face it, you've got a diary, you've got a program, you, you, you begin to diarize what your plans are with your business and all the things that you've got to do, and, and we can clutter these things so quickly. And uh, I just want us to have at the back of our minds is uh, that as we do that, as we, because look, we've all got jobs, we've all got appointments, and I'm not saying those things are bad, but at the back of our mind should always be that thing of, okay, what is the eternal aspect of disappointment? What is the eternal aspect of, of what I have to do here? You know, keep, keep your heart open because we don't live for that here and now. Your ultimate diary is for eternity. And that's an ongoing diary. That's going to not have Monday, Tuesday, where that's going to be eternity in mind. And, uh, and so it's important. And, and, and we've got to fill the things of what's important, what's eternal versus what's trivia, what's for a moment. And we've got to distinguish those two because we need to put weight in the right places. I mean, that which is not eternal must carry less weight than which is eternal in our lives. And... Uh, I mean, the, the recently, my wife actually gave me a bit of a revelation because, um, you know, your wives, they, they, they do serve a purpose, hey? and it's, it's amazing how God uses them. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I love my wife. She's amazing. She really does reveal things to me that, you know, God speaks through them. And, um, and uh, one of the things she says, she's just like, Benny, why are you putting so much weight on that? Why are you being so intense on this specific thing? And I actually had to think, but you're actually right. You know, why am I putting all this effort into it? It's, it's actually trivia. It's got nothing to do with, with what's eternal. It's got nothing. You should, because with those things, we, we put a baggage of our emotions on that, and it ties us out. And uh, my wife revealed that to me. <laughs> so I had to look even in myself just in this moment of, okay, God, forgive me. Forgive me because I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have put emphasis in that. It's tired me out. It's worked me up. For what? And, uh, and so I want to go to 2 Corinthians. And I, I feel I love the scripture because Paul begins to reveal to us some truths that I want to share. And so let's, let's start there. Let's start with scripture. It says, but we have these treasures in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body and the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of, of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh, so that the death is working in us, but life in you. And, uh, you know, Paul's making it very clear here. 
He says, we have, and, and this is actually the, my message this morning. We have, um, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure, this treasure in a clay pot. And Paul, Paul's making a point here. There's a treasure and there's a clay pot. There's an earthen vessel. There's something which is just here for a moment. And, uh, and I, I think it's good that we, we get this because Paul is making, emphasizing something. The value in the treasure is not the play co- play, clay pot. It's in the pot, but it's not the pot. And uh, it's important that we understand this because it's going to influence just how we see things in ourselves. It's going to influence just that your importance is not the clay pot. Okay, I, I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. You know, God, when he looked at you, he thought, wow, man, you're going to be such an amazing person. You're going to really extend my kingdom. So I'm going to take Stephen because, in fact, you know, if I could, I'd, I'd join him. Maybe, you know, I can add him to the Trinity. You know, he's so important. You know, he's like the fourth person. You know, well, then it wouldn't be the Trinity. Yeah, it would be the quadrinity. And we, we kind of put the emphasis on, on the pot as if that is the thing. And that is the main thing. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying we have this treasure in this clay pot. By the way, in this clay pot, your person. And it's not your personality that makes you so well. I mean, you might be, have a charming personality. You might have amazing good looks. You might have insight and intellect that's beyond. But that is not why God called you. That is not why he saved you. He didn't redeem you because he thought, man, if I just redeem that person, I'm just going to be so much more complete. <laughs> that's not how God does it. God is complete in himself. He didn't need you. And uh, I I want us to get over the fact that we are clay pots. It's a harsh. You thought you were going to come here to feel good, huh? You thought you were going to come here to get a a motivational preach for the year and get excited. Actually, I'm here to deflate you, actually. (laughs) I'm sorry. There is a motivational teacher somewhere out there. You're welcome to go there. But I'm more focused on the eternal things of God. I it's because I love you that I want to share this, what I'm sharing. There's many motivational teachers out there. I mean, you just go on the internet, you're going to find someone that's going to encourage whichever road you're going on that, wow, you're doing well, you're amazing. Itchy ears are what you want to hear, hey? But, um, but why am I emphasizing this? You know, because I believe as we begin to understand this fact that we clay pots, it will help us disciple each other but also help us to be discipled. Okay, my wife showed me that day I was a clay pot. I was thinking from the aspect of a clay pot that I'm emphasizing on certain things. And I, and I think it's important because I think when we begin to look at people just as a clay pot, we, we want to fix the pot. We want to sort, you know, especially you women, hey, you, you love to take old clay things and play, clay pots and you'll decorate it and you'll make it look pretty and, and all that thing. Paul's saying, it's just a pot. Leave it. It's not, that pot is not the issue. The clay pot is not. It's the treasure inside the pot that's important. And uh, I think on our discipling, we, we kind of disciple on a superficial level sometimes. I think we try and help people with here and now, with, with, with temporal things. We try and sort out, let's say, uh, and I'm not saying certain things are not more important than others, but this, we, we've got to actually, when we engage with people, when we're discipling people, we've actually got to engage, what are you saying to that person, Lord? 
You know, how can I disciple that person correctly? Because we can, we can disciple on a superficial level that actually might benefit that person maybe for a season, for a moment, but doesn't work its way out in their lives. And you help them on the outside. It's just a froth. And, uh, and I feel God is wanting to take us deeper in our relationships. He wants to take us deeper with Him, first with us, but also with, with each other, that we don't disciple from that aspect. We've got a disciple with eternity in mind. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I just feel it's important that we understand this. You know, bookstores are filled with self-confidence. And I think sometimes we, we want to try and build people's confidence even in, in how we disciple them. Okay, it's, it's like, let's get this right. Let's get your... I've, st- I've started realizing, you know, over 20 years of discipling people, there's perceived needs and there's real needs. The perceived needs is the superficial thing that's happening, but it's because there's something deeper in that person's life. So let's take an example. Often when I'm dealing with marriages, there'll be a perceived need. Yes, my wife is not doing what she should be doing, and, and the wife's saying, well, he's not loving the way. And you start figuring out, actually, more, it's more to it than just that. You guys are just perceiving what's out working, but there's something deeper. And as you begin to disciple people and you work within them, you start realizing Man, this is the issue. He has the, the button that God's trying to push in your heart. And that's the sensitive part. And sometimes when we disciple, that's how we've got to get to people's lives. And, uh, you know, bookstores are full of self-confidence. But I just felt this morning, God's not here to build your self-confidence. Hey, that's not scriptural, Benny. That's not right what you're saying. I mean, come on, think of it. Think of how many books you see in the bookstores. It's got to do with self-confidence. So have you got scripture to back it up? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm not saying this in my own strength or my own, but, but I feel self-confidence is actually a lie from the devil, that you've got to have self-confidence. Let me, let me prove it to you. Philippians 3, let's go there quickly. Here's Paul speaking. For we are circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no, listen, no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm also. So what Paul's saying is, is listen, the problem isn't that you feel insecure. He's saying, actually, you shouldn't have any confidence in you. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not saying it. Paul's saying it. He says, if anybody, if anybody should be confident, it's me, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teacher of the law. I understand the law. In fact, I'm a Pharisee of a Pharisee. He says, I was born from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm one of the great, you know, the, the tribes, you know, I'm, I'm a Jew, I'm everything, but I've got no confidence in my credentials. I've got no confidence in my intellect. I've got no confidence in what I know. My confidence is not in that. It's in God. It's in Christ. And then he says, and, and that reason I boast, I boast in God. See that? You see, you, you get the point. Now, you know, I just, as I've been thinking about this, I, I also want us to understand something. Why is it that, that I'm emphasizing that thing that you mustn't have confidence, that you mustn't, because I think it's important, because if we go, let's go back to, to that scripture. I didn't get, uh, the first one I gave you, um, Stefani. It says this, um, that the life of also may be manifest in our body. Go to the next one. 
Uh, sorry, I've lost it. But anyway, it's, it's the point that it says that the excellence, I think it might have been verse 7. Yeah, sorry. It's verse 7. It says that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of you. Do you, do you understand why self-confidence is not a good thing? You see, this is the problem. We want self-confidence because we want to feel that we're doing it. And this morning, I really, I really felt this is a prophetic thing that God's doing. We're doing this. Self-confidence will try and light it, we'll try and get it going in ourselves. But there is no spirit working in us. You think you can do it. You can do nothing outside of God. And this is the point. This is a prophetic picture I felt for this year that God is telling us. And you know, I, I just felt it's, it's very important that we grasp this because, in fact, think of it. How did Adam... How, how, how did the enemy deceive Eve when she ate of the tree? It wasn't her lack of self-confidence. It wasn't because she felt insecure. What did he say to her? How did he, how did he get her to eat of the tree? What did he say to her? You can be like God. That's not, that's not a lack of self-confidence. That's a lack of humility. To think, I, I can be like God. And I, I want to say this because it's important. I think there's a lot of teachings out there where people are teaching that you, you've got to build up yourself. You've got, to, you've got to know who you are. Actually, no. It's unscriptural. Um, it's that, that thing of believing in yourself. And, uh, you know, I, 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 the reason I'm making this point is because I really feel there's a lot of us eating of that kind of teachings. In fact, I heard this guy, Stephen Futrick. I'm sorry if you, I'm an elder of this church. My responsibility is to make sure you guys are fed with the correct food. And if you're eating of other fruit or other people, I've got to help you. I've got to pastor you. And so it's like my boys, when they come home and they're just eating takeaways all the time, I'm going to start seeing the results. Might not be that they get fat because they're young, and, but they're going to start having mouth ulcers and issues and sores. You know what it's like as a parent. But if that's all they're eating, I'm going to say, what are you eating, boy? You know, have you had a good vegetable intake? And our responsibility as elders is to make sure that picture that Renee gave, that we, he, he, he's bringing a table laden with food, of good food, that we're eating of that food. And so if you're eating of other stuff, I, I'm, as, a, as a gatekeeper, I've got to monitor that. Hey, how are you doing? I can see there's issues. Are you struggling? Are you eating the right diet? Are you, are you following some teaching that's, that you think is good? You see, and uh, one of the things I picked up, even with this guy, Stephen Futrick, and I'm mentioning him because Paul mentions people's names if they, if they teach wrong, and, if, and he points them out because he doesn't want them to intake. It's not that you've got an issue with the guy. It's a good issue with his teaching. And he's a very good motivational speaker, but one of these things is the problem with us is we don't believe in ourselves. And he says, God made a covenant with God Almighty. He's God Almighty. And if you made a covenant with him, and then he goes to the point where he actually says, I am God Almighty. Flip. How ignorant, how arrogant can we be? See, my confidence is not in me. And I'm staying in this church. I'm never one to preach against people. But I, I, I know there's, there's these teachings coming into the life of the church here. And that's why I'm, I'm speaking about it, really. But, uh, you see, it's important that we are confident and I'm going to say this now because I think you, you might say, well, Benny, uh, are, we, are we not called to be confident? Yes, we are. I mean, think of it. We've got an amazing task ahead of us. You know, we're going against the flow. 
I mean, when the world's going this way, you're going into the flow. When Jesus go make disciples, you know, you know you're going to face opposition. So you've got to have some confidence somewhere. In fact, think of it. It's, it's like that scripture where it says, you're the aroma of Christ. You know, to some you're the stench of death and to some you're the aroma of life. I don't know about you, but when I walk into places and everybody's looking at you, you feel insecure. Huh? Well, let me tell you, as a Christian, you're going to stand out. You, and if you don't, you've got to actually question, why is your lifestyle so compromised that people don't see you? Paul you know, we call to be the salt of the earth. We call to be the light to the world. A light shines. It doesn't matter if you want it to or not. It's, it's going to do it. You're the fragrance of Christ. You're going to let out a fragrance. And, uh, and that's what we are. And, uh, and so, so how do we find our confidence? Well, first I want to say it's a godly confidence. It's not a self-confidence. And uh, I want to give you an illustration why self-confidence is so much more dangerous. You might think, well, you know, motivational speaking, it's okay. What's, what's wrong with it? I want to say this is the reason why it's not it, that you don't embrace self-confidence teachings. You see, you think of someone like Peter. Remember, remember when Jesus revealed to Peter that he was going to go to the cross, when he revealed to his disciples, say, listen, guys, I was born for, for, for this purpose. I'm going to go up to... To the, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to face death. What does Peter say? No ways, Lord. I'm not going to let that happen. Far be it from me. What was that? What did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Flip. This is a guy that, that just had the revelation of Jesus. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, well done, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this, but my heavenly father did. And now in the next breath, he's saying he's not going to let Jesus go to the cross. What's that? It's a self-confidence. See, Peter said, I'm not going to let you go there. Lord, I'm going to get in the way. That's self-confidence. But I want you to understand what changed with Peter. Because remember what happens in, in, in when Jesus goes, when he dies, he says to his disciples, listen, I want you to wait for me in Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll empower you to go. He'll empower you to be my witnesses. Remember that? Now, I want, you to, I want to go to the Scripture because it kind of brings me a revelation of self-confidence versus godly confidence. So let's go to Acts 4.13. Did I give you that one, Stefani? Now, listen to this. This is amazing. To me, it was a revelation this morning. Actually, God gave me the Scripture this morning. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived, now listen to this, perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. You see, part of their witness to those people was the fact that they were untrained. Do you, do you get it? Part of their witness was the fact that they were uneducated. Huh? That's part of their witness. And then he says, an, an, an untrained men, and they marveled. Listen, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, you see, this is why it's so important that we don't have a self-confidence. Because I don't want people to marvel at me because I know there's going to be a degree. Wow, that's nice, Benny. That's great. But tomorrow they're going to fail. But, but when people come to the point, they think, yes, like, Benny, God can use you. That's when people marvel. I mean, they know my weakness. I mean, you guys know my weaknesses. You know my issues. And I'm, you know, I, I hope that when God uses me, you can see this is God. And people realize that with Peter and John. You see, why, why is this important? Because when you do a self-confidence, you're going to take the glory. 
But what happens when they saw Peter and John that they were uneducated? They knew what? That they had been with Jesus. You see, ultimately our witness is that people can see you, see who you are, this clay pot, but in spite of who you are, this clay pot, that they can see Christ in you. That is the confidence that we have. That is the confidence that Peter had afterwards. You see the difference? The self-confidence that he had before? No, Jesus, I won't let you go to the cross to this point. Isn't that amazing that they became a witness because they were filled with the Spirit? And this morning, I'm praying that God's going to fill us with that, be filled with the Spirit, that we can be confident, but confident in Him. Sure. So if you feel about uh, that it's about believing in yourself, then Jesus is just going to be an add-on to your ministry. He's just going to be an add-on to your life. But Jesus is not called to be an add-on to us. Do you know that, church? He's called to replace us. Jesus is called to replace me, not to add on to me, to replace me. I can't do anything. I need to receive him. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, what did he say? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Do you get the difference? See, self-confidence will say, it's me, but I'm adding Jesus. Jesus, come follow me. <laughs> that's, that's the arrogance behind it. Jesus is following me. He's with me. He's, he's with whatever I do. No, it's actually God. I want to just see what you're doing, and therefore I imitate you. Because if, you know, it's not God imitating me. That's self-confidence. And that's why Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3, he says, I count them rubbish. He's talking about everything he's done. He counts everything rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness. Do you get self-confidence will produce your own righteousness? You'll think it's because me and Jesus worked together that we did this thing. God will share his glory with no other. You know that. Bible says that. We are just earthly clay pots. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. You know you're a clay pot. We're all clay pots. We're all broken. We all come in different shapes and sizes. That's okay. Get over it. We didn't bring you into the church yet because we thought, yes, like you're an amazing vessel. We knew you're a clay pot because God's called all of us to be clay pots. And, uh, but that's the thing. That's the reality. That's that his glory might be made known through the church. The manifest wisdom of God is made known through these little clay pots all around us, broken, different sizes, out of shape. But it's what within that God is producing. It's that treasure. Who remembers... I'm probably going to go way back now, but who remembers in the 70s and the 80s when we had that song, Have Thy Own Way, Lord? Who remembers that? Sure. Uh, some people are great. I'm glad there's someone. Is there anyone else? No one. Yes, I'm old. Okay, Renee's finally admitting to it. I thought so, Renee. That's why I looked at you now. You're the same age as me. But I know because we've been in the church for long enough, you know. From the 70s, well, that, that song that went, Have thy own way, Lord, have thy own way. You might remember that, Bachis. It says, uh, Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I'm waiting, yielding, and still. Now, I know if my heart could sing that song, it would be a little bit different in the lyrics. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. 
And I'm sure it would have gone probably, have my own way, Lord, have my own way. For thou art the potter, but don't forget, I am the clay. <laughs> you know, mold me and make me after my will, you know, while I'm worrying and <laughs> yielding and still, you know. That's how we want God to work within us. But God doesn't work like that, you know. And I thought of this, I just read this poem. Really, someone who, it's an anonymous poem, actually, but it's someone who must have understood the ways of God. God must have worked in this guy's life harshly and yet to produce something, and, and he recognized it. But anyway, let me read it, because when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers on him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands. How he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. And how he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him. But every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. And yeah, that's what the thing is. It's this faith. It's surrendering to God. God, I, even at the moment, this is the most difficult thing I'm going through. It's painful. But I trust you. I know you know what you're doing, Lord. If you have to do this, do it. You know, that's the thing of surrender. That's where faith comes in. God gave me that picture years ago where I just felt I couldn't see further than, you know, what's close up. And I had this picture where God gave me a prophetic picture, like I was holding his hand, and he was this giant of a God, but he could look at eternity. And I just have to hold that. And I feel, just for some of us here, even this morning, just grab his hand, because he's looking. He knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing. Christ is doing a redeeming work. And he's going to use other clay pots like me, like Chad, like Andrew Selly, like Josh Jen, we are all just clay pots. And God will use us too to do his work. But as we all trust that actually at the end of the day, we also know that God alone is the one who's doing the redeeming work. God alone is doing the sanctifying work. Yes, I'm called to teach. Yes, I'm called to disciple. But at the end of the day, God is doing his work through us through our relationships, through our building one another, through our discipling, through our teaching. He says, Paul even put it like this. He says, you know, one waters, one plants, but only God can bring the increase. Only God can bring fruit. But as we commit ourselves to him and to each other, we can do what God has called us to do. And I want to say to you guys, maybe you've been disappointed by church. Maybe you've been disappointed by leaders. I want to say, stop looking at the clay pots. He's calling us to look at what's in the pots, what he's wanting to produce within the pots. It's important because there will always be someone that will offend you. I promise you, even this church, because we clay pots. And I know these leaders have failed. I've failed many times. I've had to go back to people and apologize. I messed up, even now, as I was preaching, I messed up. I said something stupid about my wife. I didn't mean she was worth nothing. I repent even now. Sorry about that. I didn't mean it like that. It just slipped out. We're quick with our words sometimes, but we don't always anticipate. So if, I, if you might have stumbled because of that, please forgive me. Um, I didn't mean that. But I think it's maybe just to show you I am a clay pot. And uh, 
But Jesus said this. He said, I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know why he said that? Because he knew something which eternal was more valuable than that clay pot, that he was producing something. And we need to trust that church. We need to trust him. And I, I love the way, just how, how that scripture says that the reason he's doing is that it can be found, everything that he's producing within us can be found to praise, honor, and glory at Christ Jesus. That's all that's going to be left, that which honors him, that which brings him glory, not man. And so I know we recently had the Christmas message, and I just thought, you know, what a clay pot. We, t- we talk about the clay pot. Think about Jesus. He came as man. Think of this king. He didn't come wrapped in royal robes. He came wrapped in swaddling cloth. Think of it. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. God didn't place him in a place like Rome, which is a glorious city. He put him in a despised little town of Bethlehem. But yet he chose him to redeem the world. And he chose Christ to come in the way that he did, that his glory might be known. God will share his glory with no one else. And he's called us to be partakers of that glory. We here to, 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 in a sense, be carriers of his glory. But to carry his glory, we've got to allow God to work in the processes that he's working. And that means using clay pots to do it. So I just want to end off that in that way. And, and maybe, maybe as I've been talking today, maybe you can witness with what I'm saying. Maybe you know that you've never actually come to the place of receiving Jesus. And, uh, but God wants to work with us, you know. I really felt that prophetic picture. God doesn't want you to just be a flint. He wants to ignite you. He wants his Holy Spirit to work and bring life. You know, the Bible says it's, it's the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, brings life to your mortal bodies. And we need to come before him. It's not your strength, not what you're going to do. It's just coming repentance. It's just coming, God, I know in myself I cannot produce life. I know my life is heading to a road that's just for destruction. But, God, I want to come to you this morning. And maybe you're sitting here and that's you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Can I, can I just create an opportunity that we can do that? Can we all just close our eyes?